نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العطة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما So I gave you some homework to do Homework? Really homework? Did I give you homework? What was it? To look for the meaning of the word Raka'a The verb Raka'a So, what did you do? You looked into the dictionary? Good. Which dictionary did you use? Okay, the link that I sent to you. Okay. Uh, any other dictionary you used by yourself? Okay. So if anyone wants to know how to use that, inshallah, you can take my help after class. Inshallah. Okay. But those who did, what did you find? Go ahead. What meaning did you find? So, kneeling down basically. What else did you find? Somebody else from the right side? To drop to one's knees. So basically it is to bend down forwards. Okay. Anything else? What about you? What did you find? Okay. To bend, incline towards, lean. Okay. So turn repeatedly towards also. That's what you found? Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. Bending of the torso from upright position. So your upper body, basically, bending it from upright position. So some of you also found the meaning in reference to a camel. So a camel also, I mean, it bends its body forwards. So when you go into Rukur, what are you doing? You're standing upright, and then you bend down forwards. Okay, what else? Same meaning? Okay, good. Alhamdulillah. So um, we have to keep using the dictionary repeatedly. The dictionary has to become our friend, our companion. Okay? So inshallah, I'll show you how to do that. Gradually, gradually. Okay? Inshallah. So at this point, I just wanted you to open up the dictionary and uh, visit it and see what it looks like. See how the words are arranged. Read it. And inshallah, gradually you'll get better at using the dictionary in the sense that finding the meaning that you're looking for. Okay? The specifics, inshallah. Okay, let's begin our lesson. We will... Begin from the last hadith in Bab Al-Itma'nina Hina Yarfa'u Ra'sahu Min Al-Rukur Coming to rest after raising the head from Rukur And remember that Itma'nina uh, Coming to rest This is a major part of Salah Which means that in every position of Salah Once a person goes in it Then he must come to rest Complete stop Before moving on to the next position So it must not be a rolling stop It must be a complete stop And this is true uh, with regards to rukur, with regards to sajda. And even when a person gets up from rukur into standing position, before going down into sajda, what do we learn? He must stand still. And in that position, what should he do? He should praise and glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we went over the different adhkar that the Prophet ﷺ used to say in standing position. حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا حماد بن زيد عن أيوب عن أبي قلابة قال كان مالك بن الحويرث He said that Malik bin Huwairith and he's a companion of the Prophet ﷺ He used to urina He used to show us So who would he show to? Uh, obviously uh, the tabi'een Okay, the tabi'oon, the, the, the next generation. So he used to show us, كَيْفَ كَانَ صَلَاةُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ How was the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ? 
Meaning he used to demonstrate to us how the Prophet ﷺ used to pray. وَذَاكَ And that would be فِي إِنْ غَيْرِ وَقْتِ Not in the time of prayer. Meaning he wouldn't actually be performing the salah. He would just show to us, demonstrate to us how to perform the prayer. So what does it show? This practice of Malik bin Huwaydith, what does that teach us? That can we show to a person how to pray without actually praying? Yes. So when you're just showing to a person, you know, how to pray salah, it's not necessary that you are in the state of wudu or even in the state of tahara because you're not actually praying, right? Likewise, you don't have to face the qibla. Okay? Why? Because you're not actually praying. What are you doing? Just demonstrating, just showing. So when once when he was doing that faqama, so he stood, فَأَمْكَنَ الْقِيَامِ أَمْكَنَ We did this word earlier also. What does it mean? To be firmly established, meaning to become still. الْقِيَامَ دَقِيَامِ So in other words, he performed the qiyam absolutely correctly. ثُمَّ رَكَعَ Then he went into rukur, فَأَمْكَنَ الْرُكُورِ And he went into the position of rukur, Firmly, meaning he became still. He came to rest in the position of rukur. ثُمَّ رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ Then he raised his head, meaning got up from rukur. فَأَنْصَتَ insat. What does it mean? To be silent, literally. But over here it means that he remained there hunayyatan for a little while. So he remained standing for a little while. It wasn't that he just stood up and went back and went into sajda immediately. No, he stood up straight. He stood for a few moments and then he went into sajda. قال, he said, فَصَلَّى بِنَا صَلَاةَ شَيْخِنَا هَذَا أَبِي بُرَيْدِ He said that he prayed uh, for us, meaning he showed us how to pray, just like our Shaykh Abu Buraid. Meaning he, the way he prayed was exactly like Abu Buraid prays. وَكَانَ أَبُو بُرَيْدٍ And the narrator says that Abu Buraid he used to إِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ السَّجْدَةِ When he would lift up his head from the sajda, meaning when he would come into sitting position, الْآخِرَةِ The last one, istawa He became uh, balanced, قَاعِدًا sitting, ثُمَّ نَهَضَ Meaning, first he would sit back, okay? And then istawa He would become still basically, and then he would get up. So when he would get up from the second sajda, okay, and this is talking about the second rakah, then he would sit before he would stand up. This was the habit of Abu Buraid. So in this hadith, there are a number of things. First of all, we see that itma'nina uh, or tuma'nina, this is something important in prayer with regards to every position of salah. Secondly, we see that Abu Buraid and also Malik bin Huwaydith, how would they pray? That when they would get up from sajda, the second sajda, Okay. Before standing up in the third rakah, what would they do? They would sit down. Okay. And this sitting is known as jalsa istiraha. Okay. Are you familiar with that? Jalsa istiraha. Now, jalsa istiraha. Is this mandatory? Is it mustahab? What is the ruling concerning it? With regards to jalsa istiraha, the ulama have said that it is sunnah, but it is sunnah when there is a need. When there is a need. It is not mandatory for the musalli to sit on getting up from sajda before standing up. It is not mandatory. However, if there is a need, then he may do that. Okay? Then he may do that. 
And from other reports, we see that Malik bin Huwaitis, when he showed this, when he did this, perhaps this was because he had become aged at this point, and it was easier for him, you know, to sit before standing up. And the evidence that uh, the, the evidence for this opinion that it is not mandatory, rather it is sunnah in the Hajj, is that for every rukun of prayer, okay, for every um, uh, step, for every position. There is some dhikr. There is some dhikr. Before it, during it, after it. Okay? So for example, rukur. Is that mandatory? Yes, it is. Why? Because there is dhikr before it. How? You have to say Allahu Akbar to go into the position of rukur. Then there is dhikr during it. And what is that? Subhanu Rabbi al Okay, and many other adhkar. And then there is dhikr after it. Meaning on getting up from rukur, you have to say, Samir Allahu liman hamidah. Alright? But when it comes to jalsa istiraha, which dhikr is before it and after it? Which one? There is none. Yes, when you get up from sajda, you say, Allahu Akbar. But it's not like you say, Allahu Akbar twice. Before the jalsa and after the jalsa. No, there is one a takbir. And that takbir is for what purpose? Getting up from ruku, from, from sajda into, into qiyam. Okay? So there is no specific dhikr before and after. And secondly, there is no dhikr during it either. When you're sitting in jalsa istiraha, there is no dhikr during it. It's not like you say, Rabbi ghfirli, Rabbi ghfirli at that time. Or tashahud or any other dhikr. There is no dhikr for it. Okay? So based on this, uh, there is no harm if a person does it for convenience and ease or if he leaves it. Okay? Now remember that in certain situations it is easy to do it. I mean, it's it's better that a person sits before getting up. Why? When is it easy? When is it that it makes standing easy? Okay, so for example, you're not sure if the imam has actually stood up or not. So you want to make your standing position slow. Okay, so in that situation, okay, you sit up and then you stand. All right. Uh, yes. Okay, so for example, if a person is hurting in their body due to old age or due to some injury, okay, or a woman, maybe she's pregnant and because of that reason, she's not able to get up immediately. So it makes the standing, the rising Easier. So in that situation, perfectly fine. But don't think that this is mandatory. So that if someone is not doing it, you think that, oh, they're not following the sunnah. Okay? Or that uh, the imam is already standing, and you say, no, no, I have to do jalsa istiraha, and then I'm going to stand up. No, you have to follow the imam. Okay? Shaykh Rasulullah ibn Taymiyyah said that if the imam has, has stood up straight, then you should not sit in jalsa istiraha because then you're not following the imam and not following the imam is against the sunnah. Okay? So if it makes your standing, you know, your, your rising too slow, then you must avoid jalsa istiraha. Okay? But if it makes it easy for you to stand up, then you should do it. Okay? Now, there's another question, which is that when you get up from rukur, Okay, and you stood up. Uh, we learned that tamatnina is necessary. You must become still. Okay, now uh, when you're still, where should your hands be? Because we learned that in every position of salah, you know, every limb of the body 
has to be placed, arranged in a particular way at a particular spot. So for example, in Qiyam, where should the hands be? We looked into that. In Rukur, where should the hands be? We looked into that also. Now when a person is standing between Rukur and Sajda, where should the hands be? Where? On the sides, okay. Anybody else? Okay, on the chest, okay. So there's two opinions regarding this, okay. And this is one of the issues on which the scholars have differed and the difference, I mean, it's it's quite strong in the sense that both the opinions seem to be quite valid. One position is that uh, the hands must be placed on the chest. How? That the right hand be placed on the left hand just as when a person stands in Qiyam. And the evidence is the hadith that we learned earlier that the people were told that a man should place his right hand on his left forearm in prayer. So the scholar said that this is general, that in Qiyam, whenever a person is standing, whether it is the first Qiyam or it is the Qiyam on getting up from Rukur. So they said Qiyam, Qiyam, it's the same thing. So in every Qiyam, your hands have to be over here. They said that in Rukur, your hands should be on the knees. And in Qiyam, generally we have been taught that the hands should be on the chest. So the hands should be on the chest. Other scholars, the second opinion is that they said that no, hands should be you know, on the sides of a person. Right hand, you know, on the right side and left hand on the left side. So basically, you know, they should be on the sides of a person. And the evidence is that there is no specific report on this matter that has been narrated. They said there is no specific report that tells us that hands should be on the chest or they should be positioned somewhere. And the and they said that the general meaning of qiyam, standing, okay, in Arabic when the word standing is used, it's understood that the hands are going to be on your sides. Okay? So they said that there's there's no specific report that tells us that hands should be placed on the chest. When there is nothing that tells us that hands should be placed on the chest, then we will just do qiyam. Normal qiyam. Normal standing. And when a person is standing normally, then where are his hands? Where? On the sides. So they said that that is what we will do. Okay? So both the opinions, they seem to be valid. Okay, They have strong evidence behind them. And because of this, what should a person do? Whatever makes most sense to him, he should adopt that. And he should have this tolerance that if the person standing next to them is doing something different, then they should not make it a big deal. Okay? So if a husband is doing it and the wife is not doing it, or the wife is you know, not doing it and the husband is not doing it, don't make it a big issue. It's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. It's not something that people should be fighting over and arguing over and you know disliking other people over. It's it's not a big deal. Both the opinions are valid and they're accepted by the scholars of Ahlul Sunnah wa Jamara. So a, a dispute should not be made out of this. Bab yahwi bit takbiri hina yasjud. Yahwi, hawa yahwi. What does it mean? Wan najmi ida hawa. What does it mean? To fall, to go down. So Yahwe, he should go down with takbiri, with the takbir. Takbir meaning saying Allahu Akbar. Hina yasjud when he goes into sajda. So in other words, when a person is going into sajda, then as he's saying Allahu Akbar, he should go down to sajda at the same time. Not that he's standing, he says Allahu Akbar, and after a second or two, then he starts going down to sajda. Or he goes down into sajda and then he says Allahu Akbar. No. Saying the takbir 
and the action of going down into sajda should both be done at the same time. Okay? They should both be done at the same time. وَقَالَ نَافِعٌ And Nafi' said, كَانَ ابْنُ عُمَرَ Ibn Umar used to يَضَعُ He used to place يَدَيْهِ His hands قَبْلَ رُكْبَتَيْهِ Before his knees. Nafi' the student of Ibn Umar, he said that Ibn Umar, Abdullah bin Umar anhu, when he would go down into sajda, how would he go down into sajda? He would first put his hands on the ground and then he would put his knees on the ground. You understand? Not knees first and then hands. Now you might you might say, but we have learned otherwise, or we have seen otherwise, or what's the big deal if the hands go first and the knees go second? Hmm? So the thing is that yes, uh, the scholars have differed over this. That when going into sajda, should the hands go first or should the knees go first? According to the Hanafis, Shafi'is, and one opinion I from Imam Ahmad, the person who's praying should go down on his knees first, and then his hands. And there's a report that is used as evidence for this, and this is reported by Abu Dawood, At-Tirmidhi, and Nisa'i, that while Ibn Hajar, he said that, I saw the Messenger of Allah وسلم, when he did sujood, putting his knees down before his hands. So that report shows the Prophet وسلم, put his knees first, and then his hands. But this hadith is considered weak. Shaykh Bani said this hadith is daif. Okay, the other opinion is of Malik al-Awza'i and the scholars of hadith. Okay, the scholars of hadith. They said that when a person goes into sajda, that he should place his hands first and then his knees. And the evidence they use is the hadith of Abu Hurairah, which is reported by Abu Dawood, At-Tirmidhi, and Nisa'i. It's, uh, it's authenticated by Shaykh Al-Bani. And this hadith says that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, When any one of you prostrates, let him not go down as the camel does. Rather, let him put his hands down before his knees. So they use this hadith as evidence. Okay. Now the other scholars, they understood this hadith differently. Okay, They said, not not going into sajda like the camel means that you should uh, put your knees first and then your hands because it's smoother. Okay? So they use the same hadith but interpreted differently. Now, Ibn Taymiyyah, he said that praying in both ways is permissible. Is permissible. If a person wants to go down knees first or hands first, his prayer is valid in either case. According to the ijma' the consensus of the scholars. But they disputed as to which is preferable. Okay? They said, you know, this is preferable. And the other said that, no, this is preferable. But the, at the end of the day, the salah of both the people is valid. Okay? And the thing is that we should also understand over here that if it was really a big deal, then there must have been clear reports. And not one or two, but many that would make very clear as to what method was better. You know, for example, raising of the hands. How many ahadith tell us about that? Right? So many ahadith. Why? Because it is a major part of the prayer. So many sahaba, they saw it, they witnessed it, they practiced it, and they taught it. They narrated it. Likewise, other arkan of the prayer also. But with regards to this hands first or knees first, really... Just going to sajda. At that time, think about sajda. And do what is most appropriate. And you see, a camel when it goes down, have you ever seen a camel kneeling? What does it do? 
goes forward, goes back, goes forward, goes back, and then finally, it becomes still. So this manner is what we should avoid. Not that, you know, that a person is going to sajda, he puts his hands first, and then he goes back, and then he goes forward. No, it should be a very smooth transition. Unless there is a, you know, an injury or something because of which a person has to adjust himself, that is a different situation. Now, what's the evidence for this, that a person should uh, go into sajda at the same time as he says takbir? The hadith that حدثنا أبو اليمان قال حدثنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني أبو بكر بن عبد الرحمن بن الحارث بن هشام وأبو سلمة بن عبد الرحمن أن أبا هريرة that Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu كان يكبر في كل صلاة He used to say takbir for every salah. Min al-maktubah? From the maktubah. What is maktubah salah? Prescribed prayers. Maktub as in prescribed, decreed, meaning the five daily prayers. Wa And also other than it, meaning even the voluntary prayers. Fi Ramadan, in the month of Ramadan, wa And also outside of it. Meaning for every salah he used to do the takbir. He used to say the takbir. Okay? Takbir as in, he would say it out loud, especially when he was the Imam. فَيُكَبِّرُ حِينَ يَقُومُ And we learned earlier that how many takbirat was it? 22. And remember when, when Ikrima saw him praying like that, he was surprised. And this is why he went to Ibn Mas'ud anhu and he said that this shaykh, you know, he, he said 22 takbirat in the prayer. And he was surprised and he was upset. And he also said, إِنَّهُ أَحْمَقْ hmm? So, uh, Ibn Mas'ud reprimanded him that this is exactly how the Prophet ﷺ used to pray. Hmm? So this is the hadith that tells us that it was Abu Hurairah that he used to do takbir for every prayer. For yukabbiru hina yaqum, he would say the takbir when he would stand up in prayer. Summa yukabbiru hina yarkaru, then he would say the takbir when he would go into the kur. Summa yakulu sami'allahu liman hamida, summa yakulu rabbana walakal hamd, qabla an yasjud. And before he would go into sajda, he would say rabbana. Then he would say Allahu Akbar at the time when he would go down into sajda. So this is what we are uh, you know, focusing on. This, this is the main thing that Imam Bukhari is showing to us from this hadith. That Abu Huraira used to say Allahu Akbar at the same time that he would go into prostration. So going down and takbir would be simultaneous. ثُمَّ يُكَبِّرُ Then he would say the takbir حِينَ يَرْفَعُ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ السُّجُودِ When he would lift up his head from the sujood. ثُمَّ يُكَبِّرُ حِينَ يَسْجُدْ Then he would again say takbir when he would go down into sajda. ثُمَّ يُكَبِّرُ حِينَ يَرْفَعُ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ السُّجُودِ Then from the second sajda when he would be getting up, he would say takbir again. ثُمَّ يُكَبِّرُ حِينَ يَقُومُ مِنَ الْجُلُوسِ فِي Meaning from the sitting position after second rakah, meaning after the tashahud when he would get up, he would say takbir at that time also. And he would do that for every rakah. Until he ended the prayer. How many takbirat was it in total? Hmm? Yes, five takbirat for every rakah, making it twenty and then two extra, which was one at, at the beginning and one on getting up from the tashahud, first tashahud. ثُمَّ يَقُولُ حِينَ يَنْصَرِفُ Then he would say, when he would end the prayer, that وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ By the one in whose hand is my soul, إِنِّي لَأَقْرَبُكُمْ 
Indeed, I am the closest of you. Shabahan in resemblance bi salati Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to the prayer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Meaning out of all people, my prayer resembles the prayer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam the most. In kanat, indeed it was, hadihi, this, la salatahu, surely his prayer, hatta faraqad dunya, until he left the world. Meaning until the Prophet ﷺ died, this is how he used to perform the prayer. So what should we do? Pray however we want? No, follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Qala, they both said. Meaning, the the narrators of the previous hadith, and who are they? Abu Bakr, Ibn Abdurrahman, and Abu Salama, Ibn Abdurrahman. They both said that وَقَالَ أَبُوْ هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ That Abu Huraira said وَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم حين يرفع رأسه When he would lift up his head Meaning from Rukur يقول He would say سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ He would say سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ Now what do we see over here? When he would get up from Rukur At the same time he would say سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ So what does this teach us? That all the takbirat, they should be said at the same time as a person is moving. Okay? رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ يَدْعُوا لِرِجَالٍ The Prophet ﷺ, when he would get up from Rukur, he would say, رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ And then he would make dua لِرِجَالٍ for certain people, for different people, for men. فَيُسَمِّيهِمْ And he would even name them, بِأَسْمَائِهِمْ by their names. فَيَقُولُ So he would say, meaning for example, he would say, Allahumma, O oh Allah, Anji, save, rescue Al-Walid ibn Al-Walid Wa Salamat ibn Hisham Wa Ayyash ibn Abi Rabi'ah Wal Mustad'afina min Al-Mu'mineen And the oppressed from among the believers Meaning the Prophet ﷺ when he would get up from Rukur What would he do? He would make Qunut He would do Dua And we learned about this earlier That this can be done in any prayer Not necessarily in Witr but in any prayer, even the fard prayer, and we learned earlier, Zuhur prayer, Maghrib prayer, Isha prayer, Fajr prayer, right? That qunut was performed. The Prophet ﷺ made dua. And in that dua, what would he do? He would uh, pray for certain people, that may Allah save them, may He protect them. And in that dua, he would even name those people. He would even mention their names. So in this hadith, whose names do we see? Walid bin Walid. Salama bin Hisham, Ayyash bin Abi Rabi'ah, and other oppressed believers also. And he would say, Allahumma, O Allah, Ushdud, make severe, Wat'atak, your punishment, ala mudar, on mudar. Meaning he would also pray against certain people, meaning the enemies of Islam. And he would mention their names also. Waj'alha alayhim sinin, and make this punishment on them of sinin, meaning of years. Which years? Of famine. Kasini ye Yusuf, like the years of Yusuf. Meaning, Yusuf alayhi salam, how was he helped? How was he helped? When the years of famine came. Right? Because uh, that, 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 that is when, right before the years of famine, the king had a dream. Yusuf alayhi salam interpreted the dream and gave them a whole plan. And that, because of that, he came out of the prison. And then when the years of famine came, what happened? The brothers of Yusuf salam came to Egypt seeking help, right? And that is when he had the upper hand over them, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped Yusuf salam through the years of famine. So the Prophet prayed 
that the years of famine be also inflicted on the people of Mudar. And the narrator said that the people of Mashriq East, on that day, meaning at that time, from Mudar, the tribe of Mudar, مُخَالِفُونَ لَهُ They used to oppose him. They were his opponents, meaning they were the enemy of the Prophet ﷺ. And this is why he prayed against them. Hmm? So, in addition to the lesson that we learned, that Imam Bukhari is teaching us over here from this hadith, that takbir should be said simultaneously as the movement, we also learn that uh, qunut should be made on getting up from rukur. Right? And secondly, we learn that in qunut, the names of people may even be mentioned. The names of people, the names of tribes, the names of countries, they may be mentioned, and that does not corrupt the prayer. Because sometimes people feel uncomfortable. That why is it that in dua of qunut, for example, you know, certain individuals are mentioned or certain countries are mentioned. Uh, that's not part of uh, you know, those words are not mentioned in the Qur'an. Or these words, you don't find they're mentioned in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So are we allowed to take those names in prayer? You know, for example, if someone is praying for the people of Pakistan, for example, hmm, a person might say, but the, the letter P doesn't even exist in the Arabic language. Huh? There's no harm. Because you're making dua. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the names also in his dua. حدثنا علي بن عبد الله قال حدثنا سفيان غير مرة عن الزهري قال سمعت أنس بن مالك He said that Anas bin Malik reported يقول he said سقط رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن فرس We have read this hadith earlier that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he fell from his horse وربما قال سفيان من فرس and perhaps Sufyan said من فرس meaning instead of عن فرس he said من فرس Notice over here عن فرس من فرس What's the difference in the meaning? In the meaning. Does it change the meaning? An, min. It's the same. From the horse. Okay? It's the same thing. But look at the honesty of the narrators. Look at their honesty. If they were confused, they said, perhaps he said, min falas and not an falas. This is how honest the narrators of hadith were. The hadith scholars were. And yet, we have the audacity today to say, oh, what if, you know, hadith is not true? Because it was just passed on through word of mouth. No. It was passed on by who? People who were very honest. So his right side got scraped, meaning it got scratched. So we entered upon him in order to visit him. Meaning the Sahaba came, to see the Prophet ﷺ because the Prophet ﷺ was injured. What does that show us? That if someone is injured, they're unwell, what should we do? Visit them. Sometimes what do we say? No, 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 don't go visit them because they need rest. So don't even call them, don't even text them, don't even go to see them. No. If the hospital says, for example, visiting hours, then what should we do? Go and visit. You see, we, we have extremes. Either we go and sit down for an hour, two hours, until the person, the sick person is waiting for us to go. He's agitated. Hmm? Or he feels really uncomfortable. Or we don't go at all. The Sahaba went to see the Prophet ﷺ. Because it is of the rights of a, of a believer, right? That when he's unwell, then he should be visited by his friends 
and his fellow believers. فَدُخَلْنَا عَلَيْهِ نَعُودُهُ فَحَضَرَتِ الصَّلَاةِ So what happened at that time? The, the, the time of prayer entered, meaning it was time to pray. فَصَلَّى بِنَا قَاعِدًا So he prayed with us while sitting. The Prophet ﷺ led the people in prayer. Okay? And remember, he was not in the masjid at that time. He was in his home. And the Prophet ﷺ led the, led, led the people in prayer. And he was sitting. Why was he sitting? Because he was not able to stand because of his injury. وَقَعَدْنَا And we also sat. Meaning they followed the Prophet ﷺ. وَقَالَ سُفْيَانُ مَرَّةً صَلَّيْنَا قُعُودًا Sufyan said, Sallayna Qurudan. Again, look at the honesty of the narrators. Falamma qada salata. Then when the prayer ended, Qala, he said, Inna al imam liutamabi. The imam has been appointed so that he is followed. Faida kabbara, fakabbiru. Wa ida raka'a, farka'u. When he says takbir, then you say takbir. When he goes into rukur, then you go into rukur. Wa ida rafa'a, farfa'u. When he gets up, then you should get up. Not before him. وَإِذَا قَالَ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ فَقُولُ رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ When he says, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ You should say, رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ وَإِذَا سَجَدَ فَاسْجُدُوا When he goes into sajda, then you go into sajda. And obviously when the imam goes into sajda, what does he say at the same time? Allahu Akbar. So you should also follow the imam. So that the takbir and the sajda are together. قَالَ سُفْيَان كَذَا جَاءَ بِهِ مَعْمَرُ قُلْتُ نَعَمْ Sufyan said, is this how Ma'mur narrated? I said, the narrator said, yes. قَالَ لَقَدْ حَفِظَ He said, certainly he had memorized, meaning these words of hadith. كَذَا Exactly like this. قَالَ الزُّهْرِيُّ وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ Zuhri also said, وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ Meaning instead of لَكَ الْحَمْدُ Zuhri said, وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ This is how he narrated it. حَفِظْتُ مِنْ شِقِّهِ الْأَيْمَنِ The narrator said, I have memorized مِنْ شِقِّهِ الْأَيْمَنِ فَلَمَّا خَرَجْنَا مِنْ عِنْدِ الزُّهْرِيِّ قَالَ ابْنُ جُرَيْجِ وَأَنَا عِنْدَهُ فَجُحِشَ سَاقُهُ الْأَيْمَنِ The other narrator said that I memorized جُحِشَ سَاقُهُ الْأَيْمَنِ Now again, the meaning is the same, just the wordings are different. But you see, every narrator is saying, these are the words I have memorized, so these are the words I am narrating. Okay? So at the end, what you see from Qala Sufyan, this is just the different narrator saying what words they had memorized the hadith with. Now, uh, this hadith shows to us that uh, the, the lesson that we learned earlier but in addition to that the hadith also shows to us that jama'ah salatul jama'ah may be performed outside of the masjid also okay because uh, the regular habit of the prophet sallallahu was what that when he would be in the masjid obviously then he would lead the people in prayer but at this occasion he was unwell he was in his room which was right next to the masjid, but it was not masjid. Okay? But we see that the Prophet ﷺ led the people in prayer in that room. He did not go to the masjid, even though the masjid was not far. You understand? Why? Because it was easier for him to pray where he was. So the jama'ah was established for that prayer, not in the masjid, but in the home of the Prophet ﷺ. So this shows to us that if there is a genuine reason, the congregational prayer may be performed somewhere other than the masjid. Okay? If it is more convenient to do so. So for example, people have gathered in the house of a person. Okay? To eat dinner or to have iftar for instance. Okay? Now the time between iftar and isha is very little. Okay? Now if at maghrib time, the men say, okay we're all going to the masjid, 
for Maghrib. And it's, yes, it's five minutes away. And they all go. And they do Jama'ah over there and they come back. By the time they come back, they have 20 minutes to eat before they have to go for Isha. Okay? Now it's more than two of them. Five, six, seven, eight of them. Can they not pray Jama'ah at home? Yes, they can. They definitely can. Is there something wrong in it? Not at all. It's just more practical. So, remember that Jama'ah is important. Men must pray in congregation. Ideal if it's in the masjid. But if due to sickness, or due to, you know, in order to save time, if the Jama'ah is performed at home, or somewhere else, in a park, there is no harm in that. This is also the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Bab fadlis sujudi. The fadl, the virtue, the excellence of sajda. Meaning, what is the reward? What is the importance of sajda? Does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like the servant's act of sajda? And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes it, then what will happen to a person who does sajda? Meaning in the hereafter. How will he be dealt with? How will the sajda save a person, help a person on the day of judgment? حدثنا أبو اليماني قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني سعيد بن المسيب وعطاء بن يزيد الليثي أن أبا هريرة أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه he narrated أخبرهما he informed both of them both of them عطاء بن يزيد and سعيد بن المسيب that أن الناس that the people قالوا they said يا رسول الله O messenger of Allah the people asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم هَلْ نَرَى رَبَّنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Are we going to see our Lord on the Day of Judgment? Do you ever wonder? Do you wonder? Are you curious? Are you interested? Hmm? Because the Sahaba, they said, Are we going to see Allah on the Day of Judgment? Like actually see Him? قَالَ The Prophet ﷺ said, هَلْ تُمَارُونَ Do you have any doubt فِي القمر, With regards to the moon? Laylatul Badri, on the night when it is full, Laysadunahu Sahab, and there are no clouds around it. Meaning, there are no clouds covering the moon, hiding the moon. So, do you have any doubt in seeing the moon on that night? Meaning, are you sure that it's the moon, or is it something else, or do you see it clearly? Do you see it clearly on a clear night when there are no clouds in the sky and the moon is full? Hmm. You can see it so clearly. And sometimes, you know, you wonder, why is it so bright outside? And you remove your shutters and you see there's a full moon. Full moon. Outside in our streets, alhamdulillah, we have street lights, right? But when you look out, then you can tell what is a street light and what is not a street light. When the moon is full on a clear night, it is visible. There's no doubt about it. Meaning you know for sure that it's the moon. Even a child will say, moon. Qalu, hmm? they said, La ya Rasulullah, no messenger of Allah. Qala, he said, Fahal tumaruna fi shamsi? Then do you have any doubt with regards to the sun? Laysa dunaha sahab, when there are no clouds around it? Meaning, do you see it clearly? Do you have any doubt about that sun? Qalu, la, they said, no. Qala, he said, Fa'innakum tarawnahu kadalik. He said, Likewise, you shall see him without any difficulty, without 
any confusion. Meaning when you will see your Lord, you will see Him for sure. And you will not have any doubt about whether or not you saw Him. فَإِنَّكُمْ تَرَوْنَهُ كَذَلِكَ يُحْشَرُ النَّاسُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ The Prophet ﷺ said, The people will be gathered on the Day of Judgment. فَيَقُولُ So Allah will say, مَنْ كَانَ يَعْبُدُ شَيْئًا فَلْيَتَّبِعُ Whoever used to worship something should follow it. Meaning, every person, every nation should follow its God. فَمِنْهُمْ So among them, مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الشَّمْسَ Those who will follow the sun. Meaning some people will see the sun, and what will they do? They will follow the sun. وَمِنْهُمْ And among them, مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الْقَمَرِ Who will follow the moon. وَمِنْهُمْ And among them, مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الطَّوَاغِيتِ Who will follow the طَوَاغِيتِ طَوَاغِيتِ plural of طَاغُوتِ False gods. So an idol, a mountain, whatever it may be. Whatever they used to follow, meaning worship. وَتَبْقَى And it shall remain هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةُ This ummah, Meaning, those who are upon tawheed, those who worship Allah alone. فِيهَا مُنَافِقُوهَا And in that ummah will also be its munafiqu, meaning its hypocrites. Those with nifaq. They will also be amongst them. Now, what do we see so far? In this hadith. Because it's a very long hadith, it's better that we take portions of it. Okay, So in this hadith, what do we see? That first of all, the Sahaba asked the Prophet ﷺ about seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That will we see him? And this ru'ya is of ayn. That physically. Not, you know, just uh, a feeling. No, actually seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Will this happen on the day of judgment, in the hereafter? And the Prophet ﷺ gave them several examples to assure them that yes, people will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, there will be some people who will be deprived of this blessing, but there will be others who will definitely see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, there are many ahadith that tell us about this fact, that people will see, the believers will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these ahadith are mutawatir. Mutawatir ahadith meaning that have been narrated many, many times. There are numerous narrations concerning it. Okay? There is a verse of poetry that says, مِمَّا تَوَاتَرَ حَدِيثُ مَنْ كَذَبُ That of the ahadith which are tawatur is the hadith of man kadab. You know which hadith that is? Man kadab. مَنْ كَذَبَ عَلَيَّ مُتَعَمِّدًا فَلْيَتَبَوَّأْ مَقْعَدَهُ مِنَ النَّارِ So this hadith is mutawatir. وَمَنْ بَنَى لِلَّهِ بَيْتًا وَاحْتَسَبْ And the one who makes a house for Allah, meaning a masjid, okay, and expects reward from Allah, this hadith okay, is also mutawatir. وَرُؤْيَةٌ And also the hadith of رُؤْيَةٌ رُؤْيَةٌ meaning seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. شَفَاعَةٌ Meaning, and also the hadith of Shafa'a. Walhawd, and the hadith that tells us about Hawd, meaning on the day of judgment. Wamashu khufain, and wiping over the socks. This hadith is also mutawatir. Wahadi ba'du, and these are just a few. Okay? So, mimma tawatara hadithu man kadab. Waman bana lillahi baytan wahthasab. Waru'iyatun shafa'atun walhawdu. Wamashu khufaini wahadi ba'du. So, what do we learn from this? That the hadith that tell us that ru'ya will definitely take place. These are not just a few ahadith. 
there are many ahadith. So when there are so many ahadith that tell us that we will, that people will be allowed to see Allah and may we be amongst them, then this is a fact. This is something that should not be disputed over. This is not something that we should have doubt in. This is something that we must believe with certainty, with conviction. This should be a part of our aqidah. That yes, people cannot see Allah today. The Prophet ﷺ did not see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he went on Mi'raj. However, in the hereafter, Allah's friends will see him. And this is what we must hope for and seek also. So then what will happen? And now in this hadith we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to the people that whoever used to worship a god should follow it. Now follow it to where? What destination? Hellfire. So the people who used to worship the sun will follow the sun and the sun will lead them to hellfire. And the moon will lead others to hellfire. And idols will lead others to hellfire. Iblis will lead people to hellfire. In the Quran we learn about Fir'aun also. يَقْدُمُ قَوْمَهُ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ فَأَوْرَدَهُمُ النَّارِ That he will go ahead. In Surah Hud we learn that he will go ahead of his people on the day of judgment فَأَوْرَدَهُمُ النَّارِ And he will bring them to the fire. He will lead them to hellfire. So every individual will be with who? It's God. So now all the mushrikeen all the mushrikun, you know, from the first nations to the end of times, they will follow their gods and they will all go to hellfire. In Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 98 also we learn, إِنَّكُمْ وَمَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ حَصَبُ جَهَنَّمْ You and that which you worship besides Allah are the fuel of hellfire. أَنْتُمْ لَهَا وَارِدُونَ You will all go to hellfire. لَوْ كَانَ هَؤُلَاءِ آلِهَةً Allah says if they were really gods, they would not have gone into hellfire. وَكُلٌّ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And they will all, all abide therein forever. لَهُمْ فِيهَا زَفِيرٌ وَهُمْ فِيهَا لَا يَسْمَعُونَ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ سَبَقَتْ لَهُمْ مِنَّ الْحُسْنَ أُولَئِكَ عَنْهَا مُبْعَدُونَ But there are those servants of Allah which are worshipped besides Allah. So for example, Isa a.s. Okay? But what do we learn from the Qur'an? That they will be removed far away. Okay? Meaning they will not go to hellfire. Rather their people will, meaning those who used to worship them, will go to hellfire. But Allah's servants, His worshippers, they will remain in the mahshar. And when the people of Tawheed will remain in the mahshar, amongst them also the hypocrites, what will happen? فَيَأْتِيهِمُ اللَّهُ Then Allah will come to them. فَيَقُولُ So He will say, أَنَا رَبُّكُمْ I am your Lord. فَيَقُولُونَ So they will say, هَذَا مَكَانُنَا This is our place, meaning we will remain here حَتَّى يَأْتِيَنَا رَبُّنَا Until our Lord comes to us. Meaning, they will not move from there. Why? Because they will not recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time. They will not recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time. First. So, they will say, we're here. Until our God comes to us, our Lord comes to us. Meaning we're not moving from here. We believe in Allah. We worship Allah. And those who worship Allah don't go to hellfire. So we're not moving from here. So then what will happen? فَإِذَا جَاءَ رَبُّنَا عَرَفْنَاهُ They will say that when our Lord will come, we will recognize Him. 
when our Lord Allah will come to take us, we will recognize Him. فَيَأْتِيهِمُ اللَّهُ So Allah will come to them. فَيَقُولُوا And He will say, أَنَا رَبُّكُمْ He will say, I am your Lord. فَيَقُولُونَ So they will say, أَنْتَ رَبُّنَا Yes, you are our Lord. Meaning then they will recognize Him. The thing is that, how is it that you recognize someone? How? Because either you've seen them before, or if you haven't seen them, you know about their description. You know about their sifat, their qualities, their characteristics. So for example, if you're going to the airport to pick up someone whom you've never met before, okay, how is it that you recognize them? Because you were shown their picture. Or you, you know, spoke to them over Skype, for instance. So you, you've seen their face. You know what they look like. So when you're at the airport standing, as soon as they walk out, you know them. Because you've seen them. Maybe not in real life, but in other ways. Or if you haven't seen them, you know about their description. So for example, they say, I will come wearing uh, a hijab and an urbaya, for example. My hijab will be this color. Okay? So then what happens? As soon as you see a person in hijab and urbaya walking out, you know it's them. Do you have any confusion? Not at all. You know them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has He described Himself to us? Has He informed us of certain sifat? Yes, He has. We believe in Allah's asma wa sifat, in His names and attributes. Which attributes? Which names? Those that He has informed us of, either in His book or through His messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa Now what are those sifat? Would you like to know? Huh? So that means that we should study this matter in a little bit more detail. Shouldn't we? Because on the Day of Judgment, we want to recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as soon as we see Him. Would you like to? Yeah? So these sifat, they are mentioned in the books of Aqidah, in detail. And there is one book, a very short book, which is known as Al-Aqidah Wasitiyah. Are you familiar with that text? Al-Aqidah Wasitiyah. It is a short book that is written by Ibn Taymiyyah. And um, in that book, there are beautiful sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are mentioned. So do you think it's a good idea that we also study that book? Hmm? Inshallah. Because this is a matter that concerns every single one of us. Because every single one of us will be brought on the Day of Judgment. Right? So... This is why I think, inshallah, we should spend some time studying that book also. Although you were told that that book was not a part of your course, but I think it should be a part of our course. What do you think? Yeah? Okay, inshallah. So, what will happen then? فَيَأْتِيهِمُ اللَّهُ فَيَقُولُ أَنَا رَبُّكُمْ فَيَقُولُونَ أَنْتَ رَبُّنَا فَيَدْعُوهُمْ So he will call them. Meaning, Allah will call them. That okay, now follow me. فَيُضْرَبُ الصِّرَاطُ Then the sirat, the bridge will be placed. بَيْنَ ظَهْرَانَيْ جَهَنَّمْ Over hellfire. بَيْنَ ظَهْرَانَيْ This means in the midst, among. Okay, so for example, بَيْنَ ظَهْرَانَيْهِمْ Meaning so and so was among them, in the midst of them. So بَيْنَ ظَهْرَانَيْ جَهَنَّمْ means, meaning over its midst. So, a bridge is usually in the middle, right? So the surat will be placed 
over hellfire. The Prophet said, فأكونوا, So I will be awwala, the first two, mayyajuzu, who will cross min rusul from the messengers, bi ummatihi with his ummah. The Prophet ﷺ and his ummah will be the first ones to cross this bridge. وَلَا يَتَكَلَّمُ يَوْمَئِذٍ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا الرُّسُلُ And none will speak that day except the messengers. وَكَلَامُ الرُّسُلُ And the speech of the messengers, يَوْمَئِذٍ That day will be اللَّهُمَّ سَلِّمْ سَلِّمْ O Allah, keep us safe. O Allah, keep us safe. Preserve us, preserve us. Meaning extreme fear will overcome everyone. And only the prophets will be able to speak. And what will they say? Allahumma sallim, sallim. وَفِي جَهَنَّمَ And in hellfire are kalalib hooks. مِثْلُ Just as, similar to, شَوْكِ sardan, The thorns of sardan. What is sardan? A prickly plant. You may have seen certain weeds okay, which have very pointy uh, edges you know, on their leaves. So basically the leaves have very pointy edges and some of them, they literally turn into, into very sharp thorns, spikes. So, Shawki uh, Sardan, the thorns of a thorny plant. Just imagine. Has it ever happened with you that you walk in the woods and there are these thorns that get stuck to your clothes? It's literally like a ball of thorns. Where do they come from? From certain plants. Right? So these hooks will be like the thorns of a prickly plant. The Prophet said, Halura'aytum Shawka Sardan. Have you ever seen the thorns of Sardan? Qalu, they said, Naam, yes, we have seen. Qala, he said, فَإِنَّهَا مِثْلُ شَوْكِ السَّعْدَانِ غَيْرَ أَنَّهُ لَا يَعْلَمُ قَدْرَ عِظَمِهَا إِلَّا اللَّهِ They will be just like the thorns of Sardan, but only Allah knows how big they will be. The size of those thorns, of those hooks, is only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. تَخْطَفُ النَّاسَ بِأَعْمَالِهِمْ It will, these thorns, these hooks, will snatch people. Snatch people. تَخْطَفُ What does it mean by this? That they will hook onto people, and the people, when they will be hooked onto those thorns, what will happen? What will happen? They will fall in the hellfire. And this will be based on what? بِأَعْمَالِهِمْ According to their deeds. So because of certain deeds, a person will get stuck to these hooks and he will fall into hellfire. فَمِنْ هُمْ So among them, مَنْ يُوبَقُوا بِعَمَلِهِ Those who will be destroyed because of their deeds. Someone who will be destroyed because of his deeds. Meaning he will fall in hellfire. And these are who? Which people are they by the way? No, these are the believers. Because remember the mushrik, they are already gone into hellfire. Who will cross the Sirat? Those who believe in Allah. Those who worship Allah. Those who worship Allah. And amongst them, there will be those who will fall into hellfire. Women whom and among them, man who yukhardalu thummayanju. Someone who will get lacerated, he will get scratched by these hooks, but he will survive. So some will come safe and sound. They will cross the bridge safe and sound. Others, they will fall. And others, they will get injured. They will get bruised. حَتَّى إِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ Until when Allah will intend رَحْمَةَ Mercy مَنْ أَرَادَ مِنْ أَهْلِ النَّارِ 
whoever he intends for from the people of hellfire meaning what will happen people will cross the bridge those who are destined to cross and they will enter jannah and those who are destined to fall in hellfire they will fall in hellfire and then what will happen allah will intend to show mercy to those who have fallen in the fire and he will amar allah al malaika allah will instruct the angels ay yukhriju that they should bring out man kana ya'budullah whoever used to worship allah because you see when people have fallen into hellfire from the bridge who's in the hellfire the mushrikeen and also people who worship allah they are all mixed so allah will say to the angels bring out from hellfire all those who used to worship allah fayukhrijunahum so the angels will bring them out وَيَعْرِفُونَهُمْ And they will recognize the worshippers of Allah how بِأَثَارِ sujood By the marks of sujood. Because they used to do sajda. This is why the angels will recognize them. وَحَرَّمَ اللَّهُ Because Allah will have forbidden عَلَى النَّارِ on the fire أَن تَأْكُلَ That it should consume أَثَرَ sujood. The marks of sujood. Allah has forbidden hellfire from consuming the traces of sujood, meaning that are on a person's body. فَيَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ النَّارِ So they will come out from the fire. فَكُلُّ بْنِ آدَمْ So all from among the children of Adam. تَأْكُلُهُ النَّارِ The fire will consume. إِلَّا except أَثَرَ sujood, The traces of, of sajda. Meaning the entire body will be consumed by the fire, burnt by the fire. Except for the, the traces, the marks of sujood. فَيَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ النَّارِ So they will come out of the fire. قَدِمْ تَحَشُوا While they will have been completely burnt up. Imtahasha is when the skin is completely burnt and peeled off. Peeled off. So basically unrecognizable. The entire body will be scorched, burnt, uh, peeled off. The skin peeled off. But the traces of sajda they will be, you know, safe. Meaning that they will be perfectly fine. فَيُصَبُّ عَلَيْهِمْ مَاءُ الْحَيَاةِ Then the water of life will be poured on them. فَيَنْبُتُونَ كَمَا تَنْبُتُ الْحِبَّةُ فِي حَمِيلَ السَّيْلِ So their bodies will grow then. Just as a grain, a seed, it grows at the bank of a river. Meaning, at the bank of a river, because there's so much water coming over there, right? The soil is so fertile. Because of that, what happens to that seed? It grows. So just, it grows into a plant. So just like that, their bodies will grow. Now there are several things over here. First of all, we see that the angels will take out from hellfire all who used to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does it show to us? That someone who believes in Allah and worships Him, eventually, he will be taken out of hellfire. Yes, he may be sent to hellfire for some time or for a long period of time. Hmm? But eventually he will be taken out. And in hellfire, what will happen? Every part of his body will be burnt by the fire except for the traces of sujood. Now the question is, what are the traces of sujood? The traces of sujood are those parts of the body, those limbs of the body, on which the sajda is done. And what are those parts of the body? Beginning from the forehead. So firstly the forehead. Secondly the nose. Because when you're doing sajda, your, your forehead and your nose, both of them should touch the ground. And then the palms. And then 
the knees because the knees should also touch the ground and then also the, the toes right so because of these marks that are these parts of the body which are perfectly fine the angels will recognize okay this one used to worship allah this one used to worship allah this one used to worship allah so they will take out from hellfire all such people a poet said ya rabbi a'da as-sujudi artaqtaha من فضلك الوافي وأنت الواقي والعدق يسري بالغنى ياد الغنى فمن على الفاني بعدق الباقي That O oh Lord, it is you who has released, meaning set free the a'da, the limbs of sujood. Meaning, you have set them free in the sense that even if a person goes into hellfire, these parts of the body will not burn. So you have set them free. In the sense that they will not suffer any form of punishment. And it's only by your fadl. And you are the one who is saving them. Antal waqi. You are the one who is saving, who is protecting, meaning against the punishment. And this freedom only comes from who? The al-ghina, the one who is rich. So you don't basically uh, become richer by setting a person free or by punishing that person. فَمْنٌ عَلَى الْفَانِي بِعِتْقِ الْبَاقِي So, O oh Lord, show favor on the rest of the body also. That if you will protect the hands, the nose and the forehead, then please protect the rest of the body also. Set free the rest of the body also. And when a person will be brought out of hellfire, body partially saved, partially burnt, what will happen? Ma'ul hayat, the water of life will be poured. Now what is this water of life? Allahu A'lam. But what we see is that it is such water which when it will be poured in a person, then what will happen? His body will grow. Grow in the sense that whatever was burnt out, whatever was finished, literally consumed by the fire, it will be completely fine because of this water. You see if a person's you know, limb or skin gets severely burnt, then what happens? People have to do plastic surgery. But even after that painful procedure of plastic surgery, and not just one, but many, what happens? It still looks fake. You can still tell what is real and what is not. But in Jannah, what will happen? The body will become completely fine. Why? Because it will grow. It will grow. Just as if you ever get a cut or a wound, you know, sometimes it treats, you know, the, the skin grows back and it, it becomes completely normal, as if there was nothing there before. Then Allah will finish judging between His slaves. And a man will remain between Jannah and Hellfire. Meaning he'll be taken out of the Hellfire, but he will not be admitted into Jannah. He's just there. Between Jannah and Hellfire. وَهُوَ آخِرُ أَهْلَ النَّارِ دُخُولًا الْجَنَّةِ And he will be the last of the people of hellfire to enter Jannah. مُقْبِلٌ بِوَجْهِهِ قِبَلَ النَّارِ He will be facing uh, hellfire. فَيَقُولُ So he will say, Ya Rabbi, O oh Lord, إِصْرِفْ وَجْهِ عَنِ النَّارِ Oh Allah, please turn my face away from the fire. I don't want to see the hellfire anymore. You've taken me out of the fire. But I don't want to see it anymore. Why? Because Its wind has poisoned me. 
the blaze of hellfire has literally poisoned me meaning it's it's getting into my body it's it's scorching it's killing me wa ahraqani dakauha and its blaze has burned me because even when you're facing fire then what happens the heat it gets to you right fayaqulu so allah will say hal asayta would you and in fu'ila dhalika if that is done with you bika with you and tas'ala ghayra dhalik that you would ask something after this meaning is it possible that if this is granted you will go on asking you know for more things you will make more requests fayaqulu la wa'izzatik that servant will say no by your honor i will not ask for anything else just turn my face away from hellfire i don't want to see the hellfire anymore fayu'tillaha so he will give to allah ma yasha'u min ahdin wa mithaq whatever he will will from promises and pledges meaning that person will make promises and pledges i swear allah i promise that i will not ask for anything after this fayasrifullahu wajhahu 'anil nar so allah will turn his face away from the hellfire fa idha aqbala bihi 'ala jannah then when allah will make him face jannah meaning obviously he'll be turned away from hellfire and now this man will be looking at jannah ra'a bahjataha he will see its splendor its radiance its beauty and this person sakata he will remain silent ma sha allahu an yaskut however long that allah will will that this person should remain silent meaning he will remain silent for some time but he will not be able to remain silent forever thumma qala then he will say ya rabbi oh my lord qaddimni inda babil jannah just take me close to the door of jannah you know i can see it from so far please take me close to it فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ سُوَ اللَّهُ will say لَهُ تَهِمْ أَلَيْسَ قَدْ أَعْطَيْتَ الْعُهُودَ وَالْمَوَاثِيقِ Did you not give me promises and pledges أَلَّا تَسْأَلَ غَيْرَ الَّذِي كُنْتَ سَأَلْتَ That you will not ask anything besides what you asked for فَيَقُولُ So he will say يَا رَبِّ O Lord لَا أَكُونُ أَشْقَى خَلْقِكَ Don't let me be the most wretched of your creation the most wretched of your creation this man knows that there are people in hellfire and there are more wretched than him their situation is much more worse than him but he will think that if i don't enter jannah i will be the most unfortunate so he will say oh allah don't make me someone who's most unfortunate at least let me go near jannah fayaqulu so allah will say fama asayta in u'tita dhalik alla tas'ala ghayra would it be that if i give this to you you will not ask me for anything else fayaqulu so that man will say la wa'izzatik la as'alu ghayra dhalik by your honor o oh allah no i will not ask you for anything after this fayu'ti rabbahu so he will give to his lord ma sha'a min ahdin wa mithaq whatever he will will of promises and pledges meaning again he will make more promises and pledges fayuqaddimuhu ila bab al-jannah so allah will bring him close to the door of jannah فَإِذَا بَلَغَ بَابَهَا Then when he will reach its door, فَرَأَى زَهْرَتَهَا And he will see its زَهْرَةَ What is زَهْرَةَ? Flowers, beauty, the colors. He will see all those wonderful, you know, decorations basically in Jannah, around Jannah. وَمَا فِيهَا And whatever is in it مِنَ النَّطْرَةِ وَالسُّرُورِ Of splendor and pleasure. فَيَسْكُتُ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَسْكُتُ So he will remain silent for some time, but then he will not be able to remain silent anymore. فَيَقُولُ So he will say, يَا رَبِّ أَدْخِلْنِ الْجَنَّةِ O Lord, please admit me into Jannah. فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ So Allah will say, وَيْحَكَ يَبْنَ آدَمُ 
O what to you, O son of Adam? Ma aghdarak, aghdarak. How treacherous you are! Meaning, you keep breaking your promises. Alaysa qad aghtayt al ahda wal mithaq. Did you not give me your promise and pledge? Allah tas al ghair al ladi aghtayta. That you will not ask for anything after what you have been given. فَيَقُولُ يَا رَبِّ لَا تَجْعَلْنِي أَشْقَى خَلْقِكَ You will say, Oh my Lord, please don't make me of the most wretched of your creation. فَيَضْحَكُ اللَّهُ So Allah will laugh, عَزَّ وَجَلَّ مِنْهُ وَاتِمْ Allah will laugh because of this person. ثُمَّ يَأْذَنُ لَهُ فِي دُخُولِ الْجَنَّةِ Then Allah will allow him to enter Jannah. فَيَقُولُ So he will say, تَمَنَّ Wish Ask, what do you want? Allah will say to that man, ask, whatever you want. فَيَتَمَنَّا So that man will wish, حَتَّى أَنْتِلْ إِذَا قَطَعَتْ أُمْنِيَّتُهُ Until his wishes will finish. Meaning all his wishes will be granted. He will not know what to ask for. If you are asked right now, what do you want? We'll, we'll have an endless list. You know, children, if they're asked, what toy would you like? If you take them to a toy store, and you ask them, what would you like? They will take the entire store, but they will still have more wishes. Hmm? You know, like the hadith tells us that if the son of Adam were given a valley full of gold, he will ask for another one. Right? So these wishes, imagine, all of the wishes of that person, they will be exhausted. He will not know what else to ask for. إِذَنْ قَطَعَتْ أُمْنِيَّتُهُ قَالَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَ Allah will say to him, تَمَنَّ كَذَا وَكَذَا Wish for this and that. What about this? And what about that? Don't you want this? Don't you want that? أَقْبَلَ يُذَكِّرُهُ رَبُّهُ Allah will begin to remind him that you also like this, don't you? And you also like that, don't you? Don't you want this? Allah will remind him, حَتَّى إِذَا انْتَهَتْ بِهِ الْأَمَانِيُّ until when all his wishes will be finished, meaning the man, he will have everything that he could possibly wish and imagine. قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Allah will say to him, لَكَ ذَلِكْ For you is that, وَمِثْلُهُ مَعَهُ وَمِثْلُهُ مَعَهُ And an equivalent of that. Or, and the same again. You have this, and it's double. The same again. قَالَ أَبُوْ سَعِيدَ الْخُدْرِي Abi Sa'id al-Khudri said to Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu in the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam قال, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said قال الله لك ذلك وعشرة أمثالي the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that you will have this and ten times it's like قال Abu Hurairah لم أحفظ من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إلا قوله Abu Hurairah will say I only memorized لك ذلك ومثله معه that for you is this and that again Abu Sa'id said, Qala Abu Sa'id, inni sami'tuhu yaqul, I heard him say, thalika laka wa asharatu amthali. So Abu Sa'id, he insisted that no, I heard ten times it's like. You say once, you know, twice only, I heard ten times it's like. So in this hadith, we learn about the matters of the akhirah, especially about the day of judgment and the entry into Jannah. And how people will enter Jannah. And some details we learn from this hadith, but there are many, many more details that are essential for us to know, which we learn in Aqidah. And inshallah, uh, we will try our best to study the book Aqidah Wasatiyah because in that, all of these matters are basically summarized. They're listed with their evidences from the Quran and Sunnah. It's a beautiful book. 
Now, why is it that Imam Bukhari mentions this hadith? What's the bab? Fadl sujood The virtue, the excellence of sujood. So what do you learn? What is the excellence of sujood? That basically, it will be the cause of a person coming out of hellfire. Even if he ends up falling in hellfire, eventually he will come out. Why? Because of the sujood. Because the sujood is a proof, it's an evidence that he used to worship Allah. He used to worship Allah. And secondly, it's because of these these marks of the sujood that the angels will recognize a person. You know like there are the athar of wudu by which the Prophet ﷺ will recognize the people of his ummah. The arms, the face, they will be radiant, they will be shining on the day of judgment. So, Angels will recognize the worshippers of Allah how by the traces of sujood. The more a person does wudu, the more beautiful he performs his wudu, the brighter those marks will be. And the more a person does sujood, the deeper and the stronger these traces will be. So it's up to us. How much is it that we want to protect our body from the fire of hell? Wasjud waqtarib. Do sajda and draw close to Allah. Draw near to Allah. Yes, that we see that salah, you know, it's one thing that will uh, save a person, inshaAllah. This is what will protect a person. So many times it happens that a person, you know, is negligent towards many ahkam of the deen, many matters of the deen. But at least they pray salah. So when they pray salah, there is hope, inshaAllah, that they will be protected. It doesn't mean that other matters should be neglected. No, why going to hellfire in the first place? Can you imagine the entire body, you know, being burnt and peeled off? Burnt and peeled off, the skin scorched completely? Unrecognizable. The only thing that is left safe are the traces of sujood. So why go there in the first place? But at least salah will help a person on the Day of Judgment. And this is the fadl of sujood. And this is the reason why Imam Bukhari has mentioned this long hadith. And this hadith is not complete actually. The com- more complete version of Bukhari mentions later in the book of Riqaq, Heart Softeners. Inshallah, we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.